Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Himalaya. Have you been trying to better manage your time, become more mindful, start your own business? As regular listeners of this show know, Himalaya is a new audio-first learning platform with over 150 courses on personal and professional development, taught by instructors like Malcolm Gladwell, divorce court judge Lynn Toller, mindfulness expert Sharon Salzberg, and many other thought leaders. What Himalaya is doing is different than a typical podcast, as these are carefully curated audio courses rather than just more folks talking. Each Himalaya audio course is organized so that each lesson is a digestible 15-minute episode that focuses on the big ideas. Think of it as a pack of snack-sized lessons that'll nourish your brain. It's the best way for busy people like you to fit learning into your life. And Himalaya's curated learning tracks make it easy to find courses you'll love on the topics you'll need to transform your life. Personally, I really enjoyed journalist Eric Weiner's course, The Good Fight, because it teaches how to fight constructively and creatively. His ideas are based on history, philosophy, and psychology, but he also gets practical as he gives advice on how to disagree and communicate effectively with the people we love, and even those we don't really care for, really anyone with whom we might come into conflict. For a limited time, Think Like an Economist listeners can go to Himalaya.com and enter promo code ECON at checkout for a 14-day free trial. That's Himalaya.com. Enter the promo code ECON at checkout for a 14-day free trial. I started distilling gin back in 2015. I always had a, a passion for drinking alcohol, but uh, making alcohol runs in my family. My granddad was a distiller, and I decided that I was going to take up the mantle to make what I loved, gin. I'm Umbara, founder and distiller of More Irish Gin, based here in Tullamore, County Offaly, Ireland, which is right in the heart of Ireland. I make a gin called More, which is inspired by the mountains and the surroundings of Tullamore. So it's made with things like raspberries and blackberries. As a gin distiller with a thriving business, Owen has to make a lot of decisions about whether to spend money today, which will help his business make more money tomorrow. He also needs to buy ingredients and machinery to make his award-winning more Irish gin. The ingredients that go into more Irish gin are juniper, coriander, angelica, and rosemary. And then we blend in blackberry, raspberry, and cranberry distillate to give it a dry gin feeling, but with a sweet berry finish. Oh, that sounds delicious and refreshing. And actually, I have a confession to make. After listening to him, I, I went and made myself a gin cocktail for this episode. Cheers. Owen uses these ingredients in something called a still, which is a piece of equipment used to make various types of alcohol, including gin, whiskey, and also vodka. A still is essentially a giant kettle. It has a big boiling pot at the bottom. It has a neck 
leading to a column, which is called a swan neck. And then it'll have a condenser column, which is then responsible for cooling down the vapors. Making gin involves weighing out the ingredients, loading a still with neutral spirit and water. Then you load the still with the ingredients to make the gin. And then the still is set to, well, essentially boil. So at 77 degrees Celsius, the ethanol separates from the water and binds to the oils in the ingredients and goes up the condenser column, which is then cooled rapidly and condenses back into a liquid. And that's how you get gin. Recently, Owen's business was booming, so he had to make a decision about whether to invest in a bigger still so he could make more gin. Businesses have to make investment decisions all the time, and there are a number of factors which go into whether they'll end up making an investment or not. Investment is the topic of this week's Think Like an Economist with me, Betsy Stevenson. And I'm Justin Wolfers. We're teaching you the super tools of economics that'll transform your life. Today's big question is whether you should make that next big investment. Nestor and Tavakoli Fars with us. I think a lot of us think of the stock market when we hear the word investment, but investment means something else for economists. Well, that's right. Investment is about increasing how much we produce in the economy. I always like to say the stock market's a secondhand market. Okay, so an extra still can make more gin, which is more produce to be sold in the economy. So it sounds like when we talk about investing, we're talking about things that can add to GDP. Yeah, so investment is spending on new capital assets that increase the economy's productive capacity, like helping a new business get started or an existing business expand. Spending on software so that your business can do more or spending on a new office or factory space, which again ultimately will mean that you can produce more. They're all forms of investment. Investment also applies to intellectual property too. We heard from our gin distiller Owen Barra earlier. Business has been booming for him, so much so that he's now expanding into whiskey production as well. He's going to tell us more about his decision making in just a minute. But I wanted to know what sorts of things do business people like Owen generally consider if they're deciding if they should go ahead and invest in, say, a new piece of machinery or maybe even a new space? It's all about the costs and benefits. Does the benefit of the investment exceed the cost of the investment? So does the value of the extra output they'll get from this investment exceed the cost? In Owen's case, does the revenue from the extra gin he can make with the bigger still exceed the cost of buying the still? That's right. Now, this decision's actually a bit more complicated than it sounds because Owen will be spending money on a still today, but the benefits of the still, which is the extra gin he'll make, which he'll then sell, those benefits will come in the future. So there's a delay. Owen could just put the money he'll spend on the still in the bank instead and earn interest on it. The opportunity cost principle comes into play here. He could spend money on buying a still to make more gin, or he could put that money in the bank and earn interest on it. So he's going to give up that interest if he buys the still with his money. This is why we look at the present value of the costs and benefits associated with an investment. We do calculations where we put everything into today's dollars, asking how much money would you need to put in the bank today to create a similar amount of money in the future. And you should invest in new capital if the present value of the benefits exceeds the present value of the costs. We call this the rational rule for investors. If you have to pay for your new equipment up front, then the present value of the cost is simply the cost of the investment, I guess. That's right. 
The cost part's easy. The tricky part is that the extra revenue will all come in the future. So we need to make those present value adjustments to account for that. Before we go back to Owen, is there anything else businesses factor in when they're deciding whether to make an investment? Yeah, so machinery or equipment either breaks down over time or there's wear and tear, so it doesn't work as well after a while. We call this depreciation. Most capital has what we call a depreciation rate, which is basically the amount of productive capacity that you lose on a machine each year due to this wear and tear. Okay, so let's go back to Owen to work out the present value of his benefits. He's in Ireland, so we're going to be working in euros, which is the currency they use there. So about a year ago, we were running out of capacity and we were making the decision whether to invest in a bigger still or not. So business was good uh, and we needed the extra capacity. We had a 500 litre still and we were considering upgrading to a 2000 litre still. And the reason for that was to get more gin out of our runs. More, more gin out of our runs. <laughs> a run is basically a cycle of the machine. So essentially, when you're making gin, it takes about seven hours from start to finish. So we did some numbers on it. It looked like it was going to be a hundred thousand euro investment. Owen says he was planning on borrowing the 100,000 euros needed for this bigger still. So how do business people like Owen go about deciding whether they should make this investment? Owen will be able to make more gin if he buys this bigger still. What we do is we look at how much more he'll make in each future year, making sure to convert this revenue stream into its present value. Owen said the new still would add at least 300,000 euros to his revenue every year. Typically, ingredients and labour costs and other costs eat about 80% of the revenue, so this new investment will boost his bottom line by about €60,000 a year. Great, and we also factor in the reality that his still will depreciate, so it'll produce a little less each year. He told me that the depreciation rate of the gin still is 7%, so that means the still will make 7% less gin each year. We have a formula that works out the present value of the future payments Owen will get from the amount of gin this still can make over the still's lifetime. We take the annual boost to his bottom line and divide it by the sum of the interest rate on the investment as well as the depreciation rate of the investment. He told me that lenders offered him this €100,000 loan at a real interest rate of 11.5%. Wowzer! That is a high interest rate. He told me that's Ireland and explained that loans for specialised equipment, such as a still, tend to be especially high. Wow, what a business to be in. Anyhow, let's do the calculation. If this still brings in €60,000 a year and the interest rate on the loan is 11.5% and the depreciation rate is 7%, then the present value of all the future money that Owen will make from the still is around €320,000. So we're saying that over the time that the still works, it will add the equivalent of 320,000 of today's euros to Owen's profits. Exactly. And the still costs 100,000 euros. So here's the advice to Owen. Invest in the still. The flow of future profits is more valuable than the upfront cost. Gin is valuable. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. 
Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This formula makes clear that the bigger the real interest rate, the less likely it is that you'll invest in new machinery. And this makes sense because if the real interest rate is higher, then you'll be better off just putting your money in the bank instead of investing it. Yeah, and interest rates play a really important role in investment decisions. They're partly determined by monetary policy. Central banks influence interest rates to change how much people invest or save or even spend in the economy. We'll look more at monetary policy and central banks and how they set interest rates in a future episode. What are other factors that will impact whether a business invests in a capital good? Technological advances can make capital goods more efficient, and that will make them more attractive as an investment. You mean they will be more efficient and produce more? That's right, as it will ultimately mean higher revenues as a result of that investment. Businesses also look at expectations. Expectations have been coming up a lot in our recent episodes. Yeah, and they're particularly important for investment because the benefits of investing are all about future revenues. If businesses are confident that the economy is going to be strong in coming years, they'll invest. But if they see a recession on the horizon and predict that people will be buying less, well, it makes less sense for them to invest in new machinery because they're not likely to be able to sell the extra product that they'll be able to make. Another big factor is how much tax a business has to pay. The lower the corporate tax rate is, the more a business gets to keep from the new profits it generates from an investment. So a business may be more likely to make that investment. This is what the U.S. was betting on when it cut the corporate tax rate in 2017, that it would release a flood of investment activity by businesses. And did it work? Not really. I mean, remember the marginal principle? Businesses are asking whether they should invest one more dollar. When tax rates are lower, that could make that marginal dollar worth investing. But equally, businesses just might not have very many ideas for investment that are on the margin. You know, not quite good enough to do if the tax rate they face is just a few percentage points higher and so worth doing if the tax rate is a bit lower. The final key factor is about whether you can get access to the money you'll need to fund your investment. A lot of businesses have to borrow money from a bank to invest in a capital good. Sometimes banks can be risk-averse, or they might find it hard to assess if an investment will be successful or not. So to guard themselves, they'll charge a high interest rate. Yeah, Owen said this was the case with the gin still. 11.5% is a really high interest rate. But he said that the bank charged this because it's a piece of specialised equipment. Yeah, so if a business has money saved up, it won't need to rely on banks and the rules they have for lending money, and so it'll be more likely to invest. So we've been talking about how to make good investment decisions, but let's take this up a level and think about what this means for the macro economy. How is investment related to GDP? When businesses are investing in new machinery, it's a form of spending. So each dollar of spending immediately counts as an extra dollar of today's GDP. And it also matters for the economy's future GDP. 
All of that new machinery, including all those new gin stills, increased the economy's productive capacity, leading business people like Owen to produce more in the future. So overall, investment is spending that boosts the economy today and allows businesses to produce more in the future, which will boost future GDP. This episode, we've looked at how businesses make investment decisions. Are there lessons for us even if we don't run a business? Absolutely. These same principles apply whenever you need to decide whether to incur an upfront cost for a benefit you'll enjoy in the future. It's not just about buying machinery and capital equipment. It's about any investment in your future and whether it's worth today's big upfront cost. So you mean like making a lifestyle change, perhaps? Think about deciding to get fit. There's a big upfront cost. You've got to have to get used to setting your alarm earlier, going out and working out. There'll be all those aches and pains. But there's a long-run payoff. There'll be a stream of future benefits. You'll feel great. You'll be healthier. You'll live longer. You can also think about something like networking events for your job. A lot of us dread those. I know that I do. But all those awkward mixers we go to can really pay off helping us meet people that can help us find the job that we really love in the future. My economics students are making an investment, incurring the upfront cost of studying today in the hope that learning more economics will help them get better jobs and earn higher incomes in the future. And how do we use this week's principles, whether it comes to the cost of college or arranging to start working out? Just apply the rational rule for investors. Something to notice is that often our upfront cost is time you have to spend today. You need to spend time exercising or going to those mixers and networking events or even studying for your upcoming exams. Yeah, I I understand the idea, but I think when it comes to investing in the future, whether it's going to these networking mixers or working out or studying, a lot of us end up procrastinating and not living up to our plans. Can economics help us do a better job on that front? Well, first, it helps to reward yourself. Doing these hard tasks can be daunting, so reward yourself with a treat for getting them done. Or impose a penalty if you don't. Here we're using the cost-benefit principle. Remember, we're more likely to do something if the benefits exceed the costs. Next, it helps to break a hard task up into more manageable, smaller parts. Here we apply the marginal principle. You don't need to finish mapping out your financial future in one evening. Spend a day getting printouts of all your accounts, then another day going through them. Maybe on the third day, you get out your spreadsheet and start filling it in. Before you know it, a daunting task like planning your financial future or planning for retirement has been spread out over several days and you've actually gotten a lot of it done. It can also help to constrain yourself. Cancel your Netflix account during that fortnight you've put aside to invest in getting something done. Tell your friends you can't meet them for after work drinks. Here we're using the opportunity cost principle. What would you be doing if not making these difficult investments? We'll make those other options unavailable and you've reduced the opportunity cost. You know, lowering your temptation is actually really powerful. Often in the moment, we're going to make the easier decision than the decision which is most beneficial for us in the long run. That's just human nature. 
But if you add some distance, you can make a better choice. You know, it's a bit like how you're likely to eat a healthier lunch if you plan ahead. But if you're ravenous, you're just going to grab whatever you see that will fill you up. Or like I did today, I broke into a bag of cookies. <laughs> the interdependence principle comes into play. Your choices right now depend on the choices and temptations around you. So make your choices in the best surroundings. Plan for which nights are for socializing and which are for doing your finances and stick to that plan. Betsy, Justin, thank you. It's been great to learn about the economics of investment. Funny thing is, it's an idea that the listeners of this podcast already understood. After all, you decided to invest in learning to think like an economist. You assess the upfront cost of listening to us and figured it's worth doing because the long-run benefits of learning the super tools of economics exceed those costs. So they were thinking like an economist as they decided to learn to think like an economist. How is that even possible? (laughs) Thanks for listening. There's a lot more from this show and others like it on the Himalaya Learning Platform. Himalaya Learning provides bite-sized courses from world-class thinkers and industry experts for you to enjoy in the app, on the go. For exclusive content, including bonus episodes and supplemental materials, go to Himalaya.com econ and enter promo code econ at checkout for your first 14 days free. Himalaya.com econ has loads of great shows like ours, so try it out using the promo code econ at checkout to get your first 14 days free. It's time to think like an economist. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.